0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible,
1: the Through to Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job accuses his three friends of being miserable comforters. He laments over the fact that God has delivered him to the ungodly, and there is nothing he can do about it. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 16 on Simply the Bible.
0: Misery loves company, but not miserable company. Unfortunately for Job, that was the only kind of company that he had. Rather than Job's friends comforting him, they attacked him. Job's friends teach us how not to react toward people who are hurting We continue in Job chapter 16. Then Job answered and said, "'I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. Shall words of wind have no end? Or what provokes you that you answer? I also could speak as you do. If your soul were in my soul's place, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth.' and the comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. Now, the Hebrew word for miserable here can also be translated troublesome. So, Job was in trouble when his friends arrived, but rather than relieving his trouble, they only added to it. They were troublesome comforters. Job's friends had accused him of being a windbag, but now Job accuses them of giving words of wind without end. Now Job imagines, what if the roles were reversed? What if they were suffering and he was counseling them? He could do to them what they had done to him. He could heap up words against them and shake his head at them in disapproval. But Job would not do that. Even though Job longs for their comfort but hasn't received it, He would seek to comfort them if he had had the opportunity. Job was drinking now from the cup of suffering. And to some degree, we all drink from this cup. Nobody's immune to suffering because it's part of this fallen world. But those who trust in the Lord have hope in their suffering because we know that God has a greater purpose in it. The Apostle Paul wrote about this hope in 2 Corinthians 4.16, He said, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. It may not seem like a light affliction at the time, but it is comparatively to the great glory that awaits us in heaven. Now, part of God's purpose in allowing us to suffer is so that we may comfort others when they suffer. 2 Corinthians one three says, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Now, that's what Job desired to do, to strengthen the sufferer, with his mouth, and to relieve grief with the comfort of his lips. As one who suffered greatly, Job recognized the value of being comforted by others, and he wanted to give that comfort to somebody else. Unfortunately, he didn't receive this from his own friends. Verse 6, though I speak, My grief is not relieved. Now, there's the myth that if you're in pain, if you just talk about it with as many people as you can find, that it will relieve your pain, but it doesn't. Job's many words didn't relieve his grief. And if I remain silent, how am I eased? Just being quiet didn't help ease his grief either. But now he has worn me out. You have made desolate all my company. You have shriveled me up and it is a witness against me. My leanness rises up against me and bears witness to my face. He tears me in his wrath and hates me. He gnashes at me with his teeth. My adversary sharpens his gaze on me. Now, the greatest grief that Job suffered was the thought that God, in whom he had trusted, had become his enemy. God had shriveled him up so that he was barely recognizable. His loss of everything was God's testimony against him. God tore at him in wrath, gnashed at him with his teeth, and fixed his eyes on him to harm him. And why? Because God hated Job. Now, that's how it felt to Job. Okay? Obviously, we know that God didn't hate Job. Actually, God had been bragging on Job. But if you were Job's friend and you heard him say all these things, accusing God of these things against him, what would you say? You know, sometimes when people are greatly suffering, they do lash out at God when God is not to blame. They gape at me with their mouth. They strike me reproachfully The cheek, they gathered together against me. God has delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over to the hands of the wicked. Job's friends were open mouthed not because they were in shock, but because they had so many worthless words to give him. Their words were like slaps to his cheek. But behind all of this, Job saw God's sovereignty, it was God who had delivered Job into their hands. But why? I was at ease, but he has shattered me. He also has taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces. He has set me up for his target. His archers surround me. He pierces my heart and does not pity. He pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks me with wound upon wound. He runs at me like a warrior. God had shattered Job. The Hebrew word there means to split in two, like he might split a log. Job had received numerous blows. It's like Job had a big bullseye on his back and God kept taking aim at him with his arrows. Job had suffered wound upon wound so that he was a completely broken man. Now, we cannot help but see in these sufferings a foreshadow of the sufferings of Christ. Isaiah said of Christ yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he has put him to grief Matthew 27:29 says that when they had twisted a crown of thorns they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. In Psalm 22, David prophesied of the Lord, Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. Truly, God was allowing Job to suffer. But Job's sufferings were but a foretaste of what God's son would suffer. Even though Job suffered greatly, this did not prove that God hated him any more than the cross proved that God hated Christ. And your sufferings do not prove that God hates you, but the same God who delivered Job and Jesus will deliver you as well. Verse 15, I have sewn sackcloth over my skin and laid my head in the dust. My face is flushed from weeping, and on my eyelids is the shadow of death. Wearing sackcloth and putting dust on your head was a sign of mourning, but Job had sewn sackcloth through his skin and laid down his head in the dust. He uses figurative language here to express the extremity of his mourning. Although no violence is in my hands and my prayer is pure, O earth, do not cover my blood and let my cry. Have no resting place. Job calls for the earth to testify on his behalf because of his innocent blood that has been shed. Surely, even now, my witness is in heaven, and my evidence is on high. My friends scorn me, my eyes pour out tears to God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleads for his neighbor. Now, in the midst of Job's dark despondency, there is this ray of hope. He has a witness in heaven before God. What is this witness? Job doesn't say, but he longs for someone to plead his case before God. Of course, whether or not Job realized it, he was describing the intercession of Christ in heaven. For when a few years are finished, I shall go the way of no return. My spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Because Job's spirit was broken, he had nothing to look forward to but the grave. Are not mockers with me? And does not my eye dwell on their provocation? Now put down a pledge for me with yourself. Like a bankrupt man being brought to court by his creditors. So Job was brought by his mockers before God as judge. But he longs for God to put down a pledge of security for him. Who is he who will shake hands with me? For you have hidden their heart from understanding, therefore you will not exalt them. He who speaks flattery to his friends, even the eyes of his children will fail. But he has made me a byword of the people, and I have become one in whose face men spit. My eye has also grown dim because of sorrow, and all my members are like shadows." Upright men are astonished at this, and the innocent stirs himself up against the hypocrite. Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. You see, even though people couldn't understand why Job suffered the way he did, yet his life would be an encouragement to the righteous to hold fast to their integrity. How did Job know that? Simply by faith. He got a glimpse of a greater purpose to his suffering than he even knew at this point. But please, come back again, all of you, for I shall not find one wise man among you. It seems that Job is sarcastically egging his friends on. Come on, bring it on, you know, knowing that their counsel will be of no value. My days are past. My purposes are broken off. Even the thoughts of my heart, they change the night into day. The light is near. They say in the face of darkness, if I wait for the grave is my house, if I make my bed in the darkness, if I say to corruption, you are my father and to the worm, you are my mother and my sister. Where then is my hope? As for my hope, who can see it? Will they go down to the gates of Sheol? Shall we have rest together in the dust? Job feels so close to death now that decomposition is like his father and the worm is like his mother and sister. Like a person closing escrow on a house, the movers are coming tomorrow to move Job into his new home six feet under. It's hard to imagine getting any lower than this. Now, Job's great suffering and his miserable comforters show us how not to minister to those who are hurting. If we would truly comfort others, then we must remember what it's like to be so deep in the pit that we feel abandoned by God, and yet to also remember the day that God in His mercy lifted us up out of the pit. John Henry Jowett said, God does not comfort us to make us comfortable, but to make us comforters.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where Bildad complains that Job treats them like they're stupid. He speaks of the final destiny of the wicked. Their light goes out, and they are not remembered. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.